0: Good. Good evening. We're continuing the series today. Uh, I believe we are in maybe number 29 or 30. I'm not sure, but uh, last week, if you remember, uh, we spoke about uh, a person who dies out of Israel overseas or a person who dies in Israel. If a person dies overseas, they want to bring him his body to be buried in Israel. So the conclusion was that it's not the same when the land, the holy land, take him while he's there or when they bring him from overseas. This is the last thing we spoke about. And uh, we're still in Gemara and Ketubot. The Gemara says, Yaakov Avinu, he knew that he was a tzaddik. How a person knows that he's righteous, how... If a person thinks he's righteous, that's a sign that he's not so righteous. If a person says, I need tzaddik, I am a tzaddik, then you know right away he's not a tzaddik. Why? Right away he has a, pri- a problem with his ego. Right? Ego it cannot be tzaddik. So I, if, uh, to say, I'm a rasha, it's also not good. You know, a person shouldn't make himself bad reputation, speaking rational about Shonara, but himself, but don't say anything. Say, I try, I, I hope I'll beat Sadiq. You know, you get out of it. But Gemara says, Yaakov Avinu in his heart knew that he's a perfect righteous person. So why was he afraid so much? Afraid of what? Yeah. To die out of Israel. Why did he say? to his son Yosef. When I die, make sure you swear to me that you take me to Israel to be buried. I don't want to be buried here in Egypt. Why? He should have had mercy on his children. The children wants to come to their father's grave every year for the yahrzeit. Now you're gonna make them go all the way to Israel, to Me'arat HaMachpelah in Hebron. Remember, there was no transportation. Well, they have to go on donkeys or camels. How long it takes to go from Egypt Maybe 11 days on the donkey until you get to Hebron. Each direction, so the whole month is almost gone. Bury him in Goshen and finished. So from here we see that it's important. So what what's going on here? So he says, because when Mashiach comes, when it's going to be the resurrection of the dead, all the bones of all the righteous people before their eyes They will roll into Israel. How they roll? Hashem makes tunnels from the cemetery all the way under the ground, under the water, and all the bones are rolling all the way to Israel, and they rise in Israel. And they knew that rolling into Israel, it's involved with some kind of suffering. It's hard to understand what's going on here. And if you remember, last week I gave an example of Rabbi Hankin from Manhattan, was a very big tzaddik in the time of Rav Moshe Feinstein, and uh, he wrote in his will that he doesn't want to be buried in Israel. Yeah. He wants to be buried here for the convenience of his children, and he wants everyone in his community to learn from it, not to bother their children spending the money that the little money that they have to take the body all the way to Israel and bury him over there, which is very expensive. Why is supposed a No, this bone, the loose bone, this is what we know that if a person eats a Melava Malka on Shabbat, this bone receives energy. From this bone, the revival will start. But it doesn't mean the rest of the bones don't connect together. We have a proof from Prophet Iheskel. It's called at Samota Yeveshot, The prophecies of the dry bone We read it, uh, I believe, in Yom Kippur we read it That all the bones got connected So you see, it wasn't just a little bone And then bone of the neck That started to grow into a skeleton No, all the bones got connected And then the ligaments And then everything else It starts from here It's like, you know Like the word started from Iraq In Jerusalem That's where the Arab mosque is today well, this is how it is. All right, let's move on. The Gemara says like this. A person has to be careful from three things. Three things. One is not to stand too much. Right away, the barbers have a problem. All day they stand up. Not good for the health. Why? It makes problem in the, by the heart. If a person stands all day, it's not good for the heart. If he walks all day It's not good for the eyes It's affecting the eyes And if he sits all day It's not good It makes hemorrhoids If he sits all day Well today we know So it makes you gain weight And other things You know If a person doesn't do any activity So what's the right way The Gemara says Try to make your day One third standing One third sitting One third walking so what are you going to say? If a person sits all day and learns Torah, he has to rise. Some, some of them, they stand. You see in Yeshiva, they stand. And then sometimes they walk. I, I've been a few times by Rav David Feinstein, the son of Rav Moshe Feinstein, in Lower East Side, in Yeshiva Tiferet Yerushalayim. He, he walks back and forth a lot, while he's learning. Plus other Chachamim, they take a walk, they think the Chazonish used to go in Bnei Brak, before, today it's a very crowded city, but in, uh, in about 40, or 50 years ago, it used to have orchards with trees, you know. Chazonij had stomach problems, so he used to walk an hour a day. Like in the afternoon, he was taking a walk. And there was an old man there in a building that used to see him walking just back and forth in the orchard. So he used to scream to him from the window Hey, Batlan, lazy bum! Why don't you go and learn Torah? What are you walking here? What are you going to get by this every day you come and walk? He didn't know who he is. He's the the biggest giant in the world. He didn't know. See, an older person walks in a a field. So that's how every day used to tell him, go at least read teilim if you don't want to learn Torah. At least read teilim. After a few months, this old person became sick. And one of his friends say, "Well, I know a big tzaddik that I should take you to, and he's gonna give you a blessing." They took him when he walk into the room. He see this is the old man that I've been screaming <laughs> to every day. Hey, lazy, golly teilim. So he comes to him. And he say, "Wow, I'm so embarrassed. Please forgive me, Rabbi. I didn't know that you're an important person." So he said to him, "Forgive you for what?" I have to thank you. Thanks to you, every day I read Tehilim for an hour. <laughs> I, I, you scream to me every day, read teilim, read teilim. I know, that's a message from Hashem. So now I learn all day, and then I read a little Tehilim also. Good, to praise Hashem. Anyway, so the idea is a third, a third, and a third. Also, same thing in, uh, in business. Not good to invest all your money. Let's say a person is in real estate. Uh, he has a million dollars. He puts all the million dollars in buildings or in, in, in apartments. Not good. Why? What happens if you need cash? Now people know you're under pressure. They'll cut 50% of the cost because you need money, right? So a third of what you have, you put in real estate. A third in merchandise that you can sell, like what we call today retail, wholesale, whatever. And a third on the side. You always have to have some money available for time of emergency. There's an opportunity to buy something. Now you need money, you have money. Not everything invested. Now you may come and say, what kind of advice is this? What kind of advice? If I have a million dollars and I can buy with that three apartments, renovate them, right? And then I sell them for 20% profit each. So now I have 1.2 million. Then I do again, Then I'm going to have 1.5 million. Then I'll do it again, I'm going to have 2 million. I'll do it again, I'm going to have 2.6 million. Because it keeps growing. I buy every time a bigger apartment, 20%, 20%. So the money is always invested. If you tell me now, invest a third only, right? And then another third in merchandise, fine. So two thirds are invested, a third is laying in your safe. I'm losing money. You're making me lose everyday income. Naturally, you're Right? naturally, but where the problem is that if you think that your parnasa really comes from this apartment, you're nothing but a fool, if you really think that you're making money by selling books, or by selling watches or diamonds, or anything you sell or by buying buildings renovate them and sell, it's nonsense this is the cover up this is the cover that Hashem is using to send you your parnasa. we spoke about it many times in the past Hashem doesn't need this he just got you the money for something you chose to do. That's it. If Hashem wanted to give you more money, it will make you pass through a lottery place. You buy a lotto card, and what happened? That's it. You make, you make money. But it's no problem. Or you meet a girl. Her father is very wealthy. He gives you money. What's the problem? It's no problem. Then the Gemara continue. Those are the ones who stick to Hashem. You are all, you, you, if you are close to Hashem, you stick to Hashem, you're very close to Him, like glue. Dvekim comes like the word devek. Devek means glue, that glues you into Hashem. Of course, Hashem is nothing physical. Not, you know, you cannot glue yourself to Hashem, Hashem is nothing physical. But the answer is, the Gemara is it possible to stick to the, to the, to the godly, godly a spirit. We said that Hashem is—it's uh, like fire. It can burn you up, right? Okay. Someone who marry marries his daughter to Talmud Talmid Chacham, He helps him with uh, with uh, with uh, his needs to someone who learns Torah. Someone who gives money to someone who learns Torah The Torah counted as you are glued to Hashem How do you get glued to Hashem? How do you stick to Hashem? Three things You help them, the, the, the rabbis, the Talmid Chachamim In anything you can do You benefit them from your money and your wealth Or you marry your daughter to someone that is a Talmid Chacham, it's count like you stick to Hashem. And, It says like this, When the time will come in the resurrection of the dead, that the righteous people will pop, pop up and rise in Jerusalem. What does it mean? When they rise, how they rise? Will they be naked or will they have their clothes? Remember, some of them can be buried 2-3 thousand years already. Now they get up. What are they going to have on their body? The Gemara says, it's needless to say. We learn it from wheat. Wheat! What's the wheat? You have the grain and you have the cover, the shell that covers it. When you put it, when you put the seeds in the ground, they are naked. They come with few clothes, a few shells, one on top of the other. Buried people that were buried naked. Isn't it needless to say that when they rise, you know, keeping their honor and modesty, that Hashem will bring them back to life with clothes? It's needless to say. Ammar Abi Shimon ben Lakish, uh, Rish Lakish says, One day, right now, all the generations, people who died as heaven and hell. He spoke about it. But eventually, eventually, it's going to be a replacement for hell. What is going to be this replacement? Hashem takes the sun out of the shell. Now you have to remember that this was written 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, by looking at the sun, nobody was able to know that the sun has a shell. And we see here that the Torah is divine. Because he speaks about the sun, that one time God will take it out of the shell, even for a drop of a second. And the righteous people, this sun, this heat that will come, this heat wave that will come will be a cure for all the problems. And the wicked people will be burned from this kind of fire. So the same fire will be able to do positive and negative, depending on who you are. Amar Shimon HaTzadik, Shimon HaTzadik says, What is it? A person can, can choose to become a nazir. Nazir, it's in English, the word is monk, but it's not an exact translation to what it is. Uh, it should be a person that sanctifies his name to have certain things that a regular person cannot do. What is it? It says like this. One time a person came. Now, when a person became a nazir, Hashem said that he has to bring a sacrifice. We call it Hashem Nazir. Uh, Rabbi Shimon Sadiq was in Bet HaMikdash. He said, I never had a chance to receive such sacrifice. I never had a chance. Why? Because how many people become Nazir? How many people? Not that many. One of the things the Nazir is that he cannot cut his hair... And he doesn't eat grapes, and doesn't eat raisin, he doesn't drink wine. He has restrictions that other persons don't have. So it says like this. One time a person came, and I saw that he's very handsome, good-looking guy. Came from the south. And he's curly hair. He has long hair. Long curly hair. I told him, my son, why did you come... To destroy this beautiful hair of yours. So he said, he wants to cancel his Nazirut. He's a monk, he's a Nazir. Now he wants to have a haircut and stop with that. So he has to bring a sacrifice. So he told him, Why do you want to cancel your vow? So he says, Because one time I went. You know, it says like this. I was a shepherd to my father, taking care of the sheep. I, I went to bring water from the spring, from the lake. And then I looked at myself on the water. You know, the water is like a mirror. And my evil inclination started to work. And I say to myself, wow, what a good-looking guy I am. Probably all the ladies like me. Why don't I take advantage on it? maybe I'm going to start making some scenes with the girls and then after a few minutes then I realize what I'm doing and I say to myself wicked, Rasha you have the nerve to be proud of something that it's not even yours God gave it to you, you can take it away you forgot that all this beauty will become worms and sand in the ground I'm going to I'm going right now To get red, to get red of all this air because I don't want to look good ever again. Why? Because once I look good, I go and make sins. Once I don't look good, it's better for me. So Shimon Atzadik, he was the last person in the Knesset Agdola. there was 120 Chachamim. Shimon Atzadik, ayam Mishiyareya Knesset Agdola. is the leftover until it got dismissed one of the last Chachamim of the Knesset. And he got, he raised and he kissed him on his head and he said, my son, monks, Nazirim, Nazir, like you, may many Jews become. Why? Because you do it for the right reasons. Not for ego, for pride. Look, I'm a Nazir, I'm holy. You do it because you don't want to make sins. If that's the case, very nice, fine. Then we're continuing, it says like this, uh, A person should get himself used to not to make vows. Don't swear, don't make promises, don't make vows, I'm going to do such and such, or this one I'm never going to touch, I'll never go to this person's house, I'll never marry this woman, all kinds of things that people, they get angry, they say, and then an hour later, they regret. What did I just say? You know, it happens between parents and kids. If you step here ever again, I'll kill you. If you do this, you know, they get angry, they sell kinds of things, and later they regret it. So, what's going on here? It says like this It says, also, be very careful not to go too much to eat by ignorant Jews. People who do not know Torah, they don't know Halacha, the Jewish law. Be very careful not to go and eat by them. Why? They don't know how to make Maaser from the fruit when they cut fruit from the trees or in the or in the field. They do not know how to give the Maaser, the Kohen to the Levi. You know Maaserani, all these things that it applies. They don't know. And if you go. To an uh, ignorant Kohen, Kohen that doesn't know to nothing. He's going to feed you from this wheat or fruit that he received from the people, and nobody made Maser on it. And now he serves it to you, and you eat it. And that's a, it's a problem. It's like poison for you. What's Maser? Maaser means giving 10% from your wheat and whatever comes out from your fields. Today we have Maaser when it comes to money, tent. You have to give Then the third recommendation here Don't talk to women too much Only when it's very Very necessary You went to the doctor's office She said well should I make you an appointment You have no choice You have to make an appointment You go to the supermarket There are 10 aisles I mean 10 register And there are one guy And the rest women Go to the guy There's no reason to go and talk to the woman For another minute or two the more you run away from women besides your wife, right? The less things you're going to make in your life. Doctor. doctor, it's better to go men to man, women to women, unless if there's no good man doctor or not good women doctor, a woman to woman, if the gy- gynecologist, she's not good, like the men. The man is an expert and she's a beginner that doesn't know what she's saying, you know? There are cases like this. Then it's a risk of your health. That's that's an exception to the rule. But if they're more or less the same, you know, most doctors are more or less the same today. If they're more or less the same, even if you have to wait an extra month for your appointment, you do it. I always think, if I was a woman, I never had the the guts ever in my life to let a man touch my body or take my clothes off, even though it's only a doctor. Even the Gemara say that since it's his job, it's not like a like a psycho that all day is looking to make scenes with the women since he's working, his, job, his mind is on a job right now You know, but I say this was good for 2000 years ago today you today cannot say that that's the case because we found many, many crooked doctors that ended up making all kinds of things when women were under anesthesia that's why a man if, if his wife are forced to go to a male doctor he has to go with her and stay over there to supervise what's going on. Or send another woman with her to be in a room. Why? You cannot rely on them. You may say, okay, they're not-religious doctors, the goyim, we cannot rely on them. But what about if he's a religious doctor? Almost no difference. When it comes to sex crimes, the longest beer and the biggest yamaka is still a suspect. Everyone is a suspect because it's a very strong desire. That's it, and that's reality. What can we do? The truth hurts, but you cannot ignore it. They talk too much to the ladies. How are you, Mrs. Cohen? How are you, Mrs. Levy? Your cake is wonderful. Your food is delicious. Everyone said how great you cook. That's the beginning of all the idolatry. It starts right there. Yeah, you need a ride. You need this. What time this guy, were well, you coming? You're going to be, uh, you're coming on Shabbat to the synagogue. What is it your business? What do you have to do with her? She's someone's wife. You know, you come to your friend's house, you knock, he's not home. Why are you walking in? So, okay, what time is coming home? Any minute, any minute. Sit in the car and wait 10 minutes. What's going to be? You walk in, should I make you tea? This, that. Especially when women, their nature is that are, they are not satisfied from their husband. It doesn't give them enough attention, and they kind of depress. And a man, a stranger, give them attention as a very high risk that they're going to cheat and make a big scene. And later, they regret it maybe for the rest of their life because it was a one-hour stupid thing. But it comes more—it comes more from lack of attention than from desire. It's not like a man. When a man goes to cheat, he has strong desire for whatever reason his wife is not enough for him so he goes to make sins but it's not it's very rare that a man is going to do it because his wife is not giving him 100% attention, only 70% it's not so common there are men like this but the psychology of a man is different they look at a woman as different than a woman looks at a man even though remember all these holy things that the Torah speaks about in this corrupted, crooked generation all the borders are breaking. You cannot really tell black and white anymore. It's too much of a mess around here. But I will try to explain as much as possible to our days. Rabbi Ahhi be Rabbi Omer, He says, Someone who looks at the ladies is just a matter of time until he'll make a scene with a woman. Even if he looks at the heel of a woman, The ankle. Who who is interested to look at the ankle of the feet of a woman? If a man wants to look at a woman, he looks in other places. doesn't look at her heel. They they give you the place that is the less interested part of her body. Then all the other is needless to say, obviously. You may think, oh, those places you're not allowed to look, but over there it's no big deal. You can look at her legs, the heels, what's the problem? I look at her toes. A person may think One thing leads to another One thing leads to another If a person look at this kind of You know, places in a woman is children later One day when you have children There will be bad kids Not decent, not honest, not righteous Also look at the ladies That's what we see today Look what's going on out there Today, for every thousand kids who are born, maybe, maybe if we're lucky, a hundred of them with good manners, righteous, nice, polite, learning, you know, and 900 criminals on the street, Facebook all day, earrings, cigarettes, drugs, all kinds of strange haircuts, Dracula, this, you know, three o'clock they're up, they have no day, no night, one o'clock they still didn't get up. They cannot work, they cannot concentrate, they cannot focus, they cannot do anything in their life, these kids. They rob the things that they do. And we say, bad luck. What can I do? I have a boy like this. What do you want from me, Rabbi? Ah, you know why you have a boy like this? Think. Maybe two, three years before he was born, all you did in the street is looking at the ladies. Now you are paying the price. Hashem had a wicked person to send to the world Reincarnated him He sent him to you If you would watch your eyes He would send it to somebody else Now you got it You have to deal with the problem you're going to suffer 40-50 years from this boy I was in LA I had a guy, a father there Who comes to me and says I'm begging you talk to my son Talk to my son I said, who is your son? He showed me a hippie pink shirt tons of oil in the air hearing here, here, all kinds of strange things about him I look at him, I see right away drug addict no need to be a genius to see so I told him, your son is taking drugs, huh? he said, non-stop I said, what do you expect me to do? I'm a a magician I can talk to a mind of a person and put some sense in it I cannot take an addiction and cure it you need a jail for it. You have to lock him in, you have to, until he gets clean. It's a whole operation. You need a professional to do it. Then he started to tell me, every two weeks, in average, I call the police to arrest him. When I know he's about to buy drugs or to sell drugs, when he comes to my attention, I sent the police there. To arrest him, he just came out of jail. He said, God will forgive me. The only time I can sleep at night is when he's in jail. When he's not in jail, I cannot fall asleep, thinking, where is he? Injecting needles, this, on the street, getting AIDS, who knows what. And there are thousands of families like this. I came here to buy vegetables uh, one block away about a month and a half ago. I see a person that I made a lecture in his house eight, nine years ago. A very nice, impressive person. An Ashkenazi Israeli man And I look at his face. The second I looked at his face, I said, something happened to this guy. Since the last time I saw him eight years ago. I see he looks at me, he's trying very hard to smile. Trying, but you see, it's a fake smile. Come to him, and say, no, what's going on? What's the problem? So how do you know I have a problem? I say, only a blind person won't see it. He said, I need your help desperately. Desperately. Say what? Yes, you know, you remember my son? From your being in a house, he was a, a kid, now he's uh, already an adult. Heavy drug user. From one rehab to another, live in Manhattan. Forget about it, what's going on? He destroyed our family. Every penny I had, I gave him. I had a business, I gave up the business. The house we lost. Now I put him in uh, rehab somewhere here in Queens. Maybe you can talk to him, maybe you do something. So I told him, you see, eight years ago I begged you to become fully religious. I begged you. You, you admit that it's all true. He said, it's not for me, this lifestyle. Remember what I told you? Say yes, yes. I said, you see now what I was talking about? I warned you from this. He said, Believe me, there's now one day I don't think about it. That if I would have done it then, then it wouldn't happen to me. But now it happened. What can I do? I said, No problem. I'll be here next Wednesday. Here is my card. I'll be here. They live around here. Call me next Wednesday. Bring him. Bring him. I'll sit with him. Tell me you bring him. I'll come an hour early. Never heard from him again. That was about six weeks ago. Everywhere you go. Everywhere you are You know what's going on? You have no idea You go to some places One, two o'clock at night Guys and girls In the backyard of the church In the 7-11 Places It's a, a center of all the bombs All the pushtakim All the bad guys and girls That have no, no direction in life We have no idea what's going on out here And this is because of the scene Of looking at the ladies what happens if he looks at his wife when she's impure? She has an her period before she went to the mikveh. A person allowed to look at her? Well, to see her is in a house he cannot avoid, but to focus too much, or to take from her hand and all the other laws, he has to be very careful. Then the Torah says. You have to make sure the fear from God is always going to be visual on your face. Which means, looking at a person in his face, you know if he has fear from God or not. By the way, he, he behaves. You see, sometimes people in the time of the shul, they're very serious. They come to shul, they have fear from God. They see, they never talk, they pray, they're serious you can see that these people connect then you see all the clowns walking around, telephone coming in, out, walking in shul. they think they're in a park you know they have no respect, they have no fear for shame. sit one leg on the top of the other, the way they dress some of them came just from the garage full of grease, full of dirt he comes to pray, no respect for the house of God you understand what's going on here So that's an indication that this person has no irat shamaim. How do you know if a person has irat shamaim? One indication is if he has shame. Or this person doesn't know what shame is. He does whatever he wants. No embarrassment from nothing. Today, and the last week, the Arabs are shooting tons of rockets. Today, this morning, a a rocket hit the synagogue in the middle of the prayer, Shachrit. Where did it hit? Where the Shliach Tzibur is praying? It hit the table in the middle of the davening. Directly to the table where the Shliach Tzibur is standing. The Shliach Tzibur, in that few seconds, went to put few coins in the box. That second, three or four seconds, he left the table. If not, it will go right into his head. And he blew up the place today then the rabbi of the place said Hashem is sending us a clear message he's not happy from the way we behave in a synagogue why that synagogue if it was a perfect synagogue of course he wouldn't go there The racket. why the racket go to this house and not to that house why the dog beat this person and not that why this person died 40 and not that everything has a reason well, what do you think it's coincidence what is it, a Russian roulette? You turn it around, good luck, bad luck. What is this, a casino here? Everything is supervised. Everything. Now the Gemara say it's a very good trait to a person to be Shan, to be shy. Very good. Today, eh, I don't want to go out with this guy. Why, well, he's too shy. You fool, you have to kiss his feet. What do you want? An arrogant person that thinks he owns the world? That's who you want your husband? Better to have a shy person. He thinks a million times before he talks. He doesn't attack people. He gives respect. When he makes a scene, he's very embarrassed. He has fear from Hashem. He has good personality. No, but he's not cool. I don't want this. I, I, I sometimes make, match between guys and girls. And I see the reaction of some of these girls, and I wonder to myself, where did they get brain, these girls? Maybe when Hashem put brains, they forgot to show up that day. They didn't show up. Instead of running after the guy because he's quiet and shy, and I'm not, I'm not talking a mute person that all day sits like a bum. No, that's not, I don't get the wrong impression. But, you know, he sits on a date for two hours. He talks, you know, he talks And when, you know, when she asks him personal questions He gets embarrassed and read It's a good sign No, no, I, I, I got the impression He doesn't have confidence He's insecure You know Anyway, no, that's what we have right now So the It's a good thing to be shy It's one of the three signs That you're a Jew that's one of the three signs. If you know, if you want to check if a person is a Jew and he's in his inheritance, genealogy, one of the things is shy, rachmanim ve gomlech merciful and kind, generous, helping, doing for others. lo Someone who's constantly shy, it's very rare that he makes sins. Very rare. I tell you from 16 years that I speak really almost every night, and sometimes twice and even three times a night, and by now it's been more than 4,000 lectures, and seeing who knows how many hundreds of thousands of people talking, seeing, answering emails, right away when I meet a person, and he begins to show interest in religion, right away I know who is going to be a real nice religious person, and who is going to do a month or two and disappear. Of course there's always mistakes. You cannot be 100 percent right, but it's this experience right away. What's the sign? People with good heart, merciful, polite, give respect. You see that they have good personality. It's much, much easier to make them religious. Much, much easier. People that are arrogant and cruel. Screaming, cursing, have no mercy, bearing burying other people, very difficult. In their head, they get the truth. The good guy and the bad guy. But the good guy has some kind of assistance from Hashem to become really righteous. And, the other one, and I tell you, all the people I ever made religious, almost all of them were just naturally good people. That's why I was able to go into their heart. Because it's not full of impurity It's It's a heart of a person Not a heart of a rock But there are people who are very bad And it's very difficult to penetrate Very difficult They hear what you say They don't even have an answer But they won't change a bit And if they change, a month later they go back It's very interesting And this is right here Someone who doesn't have shame We know that his parents did not stand in Mount Sinai, which means he's not a Jew. Check his history. Check. Grand grand grandmother is maybe not a Jew. Four things the angels told me. Malacher Sharet told me four secrets. Very interesting. Now, what, what is it? People that have birth defects, crippled, blind, deaf, and mute, four kinds of people, why is it? Because of how they behave with their wife in intimate relationship. When they're together, how they behave in these few minutes Makes their children get those defects because they do things against the law of God. I don't want to go into details here. If you want to know the source, it's Gemaraim Masechet Nedarim. When a person is not modest, even when his own wife, there is a much higher chance that his kids will either be mute or deaf or have problem connecting to the opposite sex, right? Man to a woman or, or woman to a man. And that's why they, have, they, don't, they don't know, they cannot get married. They can, it's big problems in their life. And death, death, mute, all these things can happen to them. Now you wonder why there are so many, so many Sikh people out there. They're making parades. They're proud of themselves. The most sick people of our society, instead of hiding themselves, they come everywhere with signs and screaming, look at me! What's going on? Don't you see that you are against the law of nature? Don't you see that the creator of the world was not interested of doing what you do? If that's what he wanted, he wouldn't make male and female with... with special skills it will do everyone the same and finish there is positive, there is negative you put them together, it's perfect you don't put plus and plus, minus and minus you have to know but they don't use their heads, they only follow their desires, once in a while you see one, he comes and says, I admit I'm sick I have a problem help me, I want help sometimes they get, they get out of it sometimes not But this is what's happening today. I don't think in history there was ever a situation like this that people not only not hiding it, they're actually doing everything they can to make noise about it. I never saw a man that loves a woman stand on the street. I'm normal. I have a wife. What for? That's the right way in Finnish. When I have to wave, I'm normal. I can hear Let's make a demonstration. I'm normal. I can walk. What is this? But those who are not normal, they have a lot to wave. You know why? To cover the problems. You see, it's a tricky thing here. If a person speaks always against one thing, just about this, is a very high chance that he's one of those. In Hebrew, they say "al Rosha boera kova." The hat on the head of the thief is on fire. Why? Maybe this one is the thief. Maybe he. Maybe him. All these he puts. In the end, it's him. You understand? There's a lot to hide. Psychologically, is hiding. People who are insecure, they make a lot of stories about themselves. Of course, it's all a lie. Why? They they have the need. To cover for something that bothers them very much, sometimes it doesn't even come from their conscious. It comes from their subconscious. They don't even realize that they're doing it. I give you an example: a person that is insecure, when he speaks, he covers his mouth. He doesn't realize. Later, you show him a video. He'll say, "Why every time you say, you go like this? Why is it?" He wants to talk, and at the same time, wants to block his mouth. You understand what's going on? But right now he has to talk. That's the conscious. But his subconscious is covering them out. So you see what goes through his head. He does some things in his body language that shows you what he thinks. You understand the way a person's shoulders moving? For instance, a person sits in front of a speaker. The speaker can know if he enjoyed the lecture or not. Now what happens if the speaker asks him, how do you like the lecture? Of course he's going to say, wow, great, wonderful. (laughs) i tell you the truth, I'm very bored. No, you don't find arrogant people like this. But by the way they sit on the chair, you know either way if they really enjoy or not. For instance, if they move to the edge of the chair and they put their hands on their knees, right on their knees, like this, which means it's one step before rising. That's how a person rises, from a couch or from a chair. He moves to the edge, and then he pushes down, and he rises, right? So he's already ready. He did 90% of what's necessary to rise. He doesn't realize. He knows the lecturer has another half an hour. He's already ready to run away. But he, at the same time when he tells the speaker, I enjoy very much what you're saying, his body already showed that he lies. He's dying to go, but he's embarrassed to get up. Uh, Or or it's in a school, so he has to stay for the full hour, whatever. If if, uh, if two people are talking face-to-face, and a third person is walking towards them to join the conversation, if they like him and they're happy that he's joining, without realizing their shoulder, that face, that person opens up a little bit to the side, which means it has an opening now. Join us. They don't realize. They talk. They, they won't even pretend they didn't see him. But if he knows body language, oh, they're happy for me. Let me go. If they don't like him, the opposite. They turn a little bit. But I still remember they don't realize. This is great. Or colors. You want to sell a product? Make sure your office has a light blue walls. It uh, relaxes the person and he focuses on what he's saying. You put purple, red, bad colors, it takes away their attention and their happiness. Colors affect the psychological part of the person. All kinds of things. Music. Music. Music can make a person relax, focusing, or can make a person lose all his patience and very angry. And he doesn't know it's because of the music. He doesn't know. It's interesting. Women that listen to classical music, that was written by very smart people, that they're genius in music, maybe not be righteous people, but the music is genius, you cannot deny it. It's affected the intelligence of the baby. It's a scientific fact. Women who listen to this music, their kids became smarter people. And women that listen to all the garbage that the, our brothers and sisters out there are listening today, It's making them all kinds of attitude problems in their life. That's before they were even born. It's already affecting them. It's interesting. Then the Gemara continue. The Gemara says, One person borrowed money from his friend. Then he came in front of Rava. He said, it's time to pay He said, I paid you already Why are you asking again? I paid He said, okay, so come swear that you paid Because you did not You have to swear So he said, no problem When? Tomorrow, 9 o'clock So he comes This is a Gemara in Nedarim Page 25 This story Reuven and Shimon the judge, the Dayan said to Reuven, you sure you paid Shimon? yes you willing to hold the Torah and swear in the name of Hashem? he said yes go ahead go ahead so he said to Shimon, here hold my cane while I'm holding the Torah hold it he holds the Torah and I swear in the name of God. cha-cha that I paid him all the money, and all the money he lent me, I already gave it to him, and it's in his hand. Now this Reuven, he cannot believe. What a liar. Stand in front of the Torah and all that, and with such confidence, he lies like this. He took the stick with anger. He hit the table. You liar! Boom! The, the stick broke. And coins of gold were all inside the stick spread all over all over what happened he owed him a few, I don't know 20, 30 coins of gold, whatever it was he pushed it into the cane he closed it in the bottom and he said while, while he was swearing, hold it in your hand And he swore, I swear that I gave it to him, it's in his hand so the, the swearing is not a lie you swear on the truth now after he swore he takes the money again understand? the crooks even the crooks didn't dare to say the name of Hashem on a false testimony or a fo- or false swearing all the coins were all over <laughs> Rabbi Ishmael Omer uh, this is a new, this is a new here now still in Masachet Nedarim Rabbi Ishmael says G'dolai mila. circumcision is a very important mitzvah it's one of the three covenants that Hashem made with the Jewish nation it's in the skin, in the body 13 covenants were made just for circumcision it's three main covenants Shabbat, Brit, Filin but the Brit has 13 mini covenants just about this why? In 13 different places in the Torah, they use the word Brit, covenant, when it comes to circumcision. They gather all together 13 covenants. Rabbi Yossi says, G'dolai mila, mila." it's a very important mitzvah. How do we know? That it prevents Shabbat. It puts Shabbos on hold. If you need to circumcise your baby, it comes on Shabbat, it's not allowed you to make just an unnecessary surgery. Are you allowed to make a plastic surgery on Shabbat? Cut, have the person bleed. It's a complete uh, sin on Shabbat. What is Shabbat. Ah, if he's going to die, then you're allowed. Pikuach nefesh. Circumcision, it's not pikuach nefesh. You can do it on the night days. Nothing will happen. That reminds me something very interesting. There's a nice girl that listens to my lecture. She sent me this morning an email. She'd been listening to the lecture. She got inspired. She is in college, and she told her professor, a Jew, of course, a liberal Jew, anti-religious, probably a scientist, that the rabbi said in his lecture that in the eight day of the life of a person, only one day in his life he has extra vitamin K in his body. Extra. All day, all his life, he has 100% vitamin K. What's vitamin K? It makes the blood clogged. If a person is bleeding, it clogs the blood, right? And it closes the hole. Close closes the hole. Sometimes a person can be sick, one to a million. If it's bleeding, you rush him to the hospital. You must. Why? If you don't take him to the hospital in an hour, he'll be dead. Why? Because the clog- it doesn't clog the hole. Something very interesting here. So from the time the baby is born, every day has a little bit more vitamin K. It depends on the liver. The more mature the liver is every day, it adds more clogging material into the blood. By the eight days, it reached 100%. And then on the eight days, it rises to 110%. There's an extra 10% clogging material in the blood of a baby. Tomorrow, on the ninth day, he will go down to 100 and stay at 100 for the rest of his life. So she sent me an email. I told her to my professor. He was very skeptic about it. And he got back to me today that he made his research, and it's nonsense. He didn't find anything. I'm afraid, she writes, that it's going to be a Chilul Hashem that I came and spoke in the name of a rabbi and now he thinks, ah, the rabbis are, not, are only talking. There's no, no backup here. I, I read that email. In 30 seconds, 30 seconds, it's, second, it's an exaggerated, it was an exaggeration. It was a, even less than that. I found a source for it. I wanted to see if the professor was really searching for the truth or is doing everything he can not to find it like most wicked people. What did I do? You can try it. I actually even recorded it. I have it here on my desktop, this article. I put vitamin K, vitamin K in the blood, in Google I put. First article came out, I clicked on it. They show a graph how the vitamin K go up, 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 up. Then you reach 100%. And the eight day goes to 110, then it goes down to 100, and it's a straight line. And a, a full scientific article of a research that was made in New York in 1953 by Goim, by Najus, doctors that search and check the, all every day of their life, whatever they did, I don't know. That's their job. And they published. It's a well known, everyone knows about it if you're in medicine. If you don't know, you're an ignorant doctor. You should have known. It's such an easy thing to find That professor somehow didn't find Like they always never find You know That's what the Gemara say You want to be blind? No problem Hashem plays your game Okay But in the end Times for the judgment arrives Then we'll see what's going to be Then It says like this uh, Shabbat It's a very holy covenant But if the Brit Milah falls He puts Shabbat on hold You finish the Brit Milah And then Shabbat comes back into place Rabbi Yoshua ben Korcha says Milah, Brit Milah Circumcision is very big That Moshe Rabbeinu From the minute he had an obligation To circumcise his sons Right? He couldn't do it because they were traveling in a desert. It's a risk. The sand, flying, it's not a clean area. It's a, it's, it's a surgery. You cannot do a surgery in a desert when sand are flying all over. Right? You need that water. You need, you know. But as soon as they arrived to the hotel, Moshe Rabenu almost died because he did not circumcise his kids right away. He was taking his time in a hotel. So the angel came, his wife, Zipporah, circumcised the kids. She took a sharp rock, sharp, and she circumcised the kids. And how did she know that the angel of death came to kill her husband because of this? Because the angel was covering the baby all the way from the leg to his circumcision. And then all the way from the, from, from the bottom to the circumcision, and from the head to the circumcision, twice. Once they go all the way from the top To the circumcision and stop Then it goes from the bottom and It goes all the way to the circumcision It stops right there She knew Oh, So what's the big deal Anyway it's not in the day Up to the eight day You have to do it first thing in the morning You don't want to take your time That's by the way If you have guests that live far away You don't sit and wait until 11, 12 Until they come like they do in Israel no, They make a big party with a band 2 o'clock in the afternoon you have a mitzvah like this, right away, sunrise, you begin, right after the thing. That's why they ask. There is a every mitzvah that we do in public, it's better to do it with as many people possible. If you have a synagogue with 15 people, or a synagogue with a thousand people, where it's better to pray? With many people. Same thing, Megillat is there. 20 people, 200 people. 200 better. Only when a condition... That uh, it's gonna be quiet here and there. Over here, it's noisy, and you cannot hear. Or they are not doing it properly. It's better the small minyan. But assume they are the same. Then you always—it's called berov am adrat melech. When there's a lot of people, it's glory to the king. What is it like? You have a lecture. A thousand people came to hear you, and people don't know who you are. When they come to the place, they are very impressed. Whoa! Look how many people came to see this guy. When they come. And they see only a few people came They say, What a lousy speaker. Nobody came to see him. You understand? So, right away, they get this impression. They say, Oh, if he was so great, a thousand people would come, no? Same thing here. If 15 people came to pray to Hashem, ah, who is this Hashem? Only 15 people came? Ah, 15,000 people come like they do in a cocktail, 20,000 people. That's, it's impressive. It's very good. Anyway, so uh, this is how she found out that this is it. So, mitzvah of brit mila, you got to do right away. It's better there will be 15 people in your son's circumcision, but it's going to be early in the morning. The 200 people at 2 o'clock, you don't wait for them. Ah, it's my brother, Rabbi. My brother is in, and, and his wife are coming all the way from Brooklyn. There's traffic. They'll come for the meal. They eat a bagel don't worry about it, circumcision right away, don't wait if you want Rabbi Vadya to be your sandak the, the kid's sandak you have to do it in his own synagogue in his home and not only that you have to know that the circumcision will be exactly one minute the whole ceremony doesn't have time to waste, he wants to learn Torah yes, they finish Akrit. they have a special chair Eliyahu Navi, and the chair of the sandak he comes out, everyone is already standing, everyone is waiting he comes, he sits on a chair, he holds the baby quick, one, two, three he makes brachot, one, two minutes and it's over, and he goes back in that's the brit milah, I don't have time every day like this, half an hour, an hour people standing online enough then the gemara continued to bring proofs that circumcision is a very important mitzvah <laughs> the rabbi Rabbi a great word, rabbi, rabbi O'Donasi, it's a great mitzvah, that all the that all the commandments that the Abraham Avinu kept, he did not call complete until he, he was circumcised. Only after he was circumcised, he became complete. She, shalem Shalem. means complete. It's complete. She said, Tamim complete. perfect. Tam is Mushlam. Right, and the Gemara continues. Circumcision is a great mitzvah that if a kadosh baruch would not create his world, right, you know, thanks to this mitzvah, the world exists. Shnei im lo briti yomam valaila, if not this covenant, day and night, chukot shamayim va'aretz lo samti, he didn't pay for me to create the world without this mitzvah. The truth is that this sentence I just read to you goes on the learning of the Torah. If Jews learn around the clock, the world exists. If not, it's over. But the word Brit, it's a, in general, it's a covenant. The Torah, it's a covenant. Circumcision is a covenant. One of the opinions in the gemara it also goes on this mitzvah of circumcision. But mainly everybody agree goes on learning Torah. Make no mistake here. Then in another place it says, "Ine dama Brit, Here is the blood of the circumcision, Asher karat Shemi that God made with you. Al kol advarim alei for this entire thing, all your life, they focused on this blood of the Brit, and that's why we say in the Brit Milah, "Shnei mar vaomar lech bedamai vaomar bedamai Damaich the bloods. This is the blood who gives you life. One of the blood is the blood of the circumcision. Brit Milah. In Rosh Hashanah, when there is Brit in Rosh Hashanah, when they blow the Shofar, right? If it's on Shabbat, and you don't blow the Shofar, it's regular Rosh Hashanah, you're about to blow the Shofar, and you have a Brit Milah in a Shul. Right? Remember, the blowing of Shofar is right before Musaf. So you do the circumcision between Shachrit and Musaf, and with the blood in the mouth of the Moel, he blow the shofar to mix blood, to mix two, two important mitzvot. This, it is the power of the Satan, this shofar, and the shofar is a memory of the shofar of Abraham Avinu who went to sacrifice its haq, and the blood of the Brit Mila mixed together. Wow. It's a big impression up there. Then, the Gemara continue. The Gemara says, "I'm a rab." In the verse Avinu," when Akedosh Baruch Hu said to Avraham Avinu, "Italch lefanai veayetamim," walk in front of me and be perfect. Achazar hadai et atzmo His bones were shaking. Why? Amar shema davar megune yeshbi. That means I'm not perfect up to now. If Hashem would come to us. At least to me, tell me, walk, walk in front of me and be perfect. I will be so honored. Right away, I make a party. Invite all my friends, I'll be in such a good mood. I give the Torah, I give food. Ah, no, when a person is happy, even become more generous, no? Willing to give, why is happy? Avram Avinu is looking retroactive. What do you mean, be perfect? It means up to now I had a problem in me. He started to shake same thing Yaakov Avinu I was amazed when I read this Yaakov Avinu goes on the Moriah mountain and sleep there and have a dream angels going up and down in a ladder to heaven then Hashem comes to him in a dream I protect you There's such a great insurance policy in his hand, he gets up what does it say the Torah? V'airai Yaakov Yaakov got scared to death shaking Wow, how great is this place. This is the gate of heaven. What are you so panicking? You should get up and be the happiest person in the world, dance for a week. Call all your friends and make a party. What? God just came to you and told you, I'm protecting you, I love you, I watch over you. Make a party. He's nervous, Why? such a holy place and I had the nerve to sleep here. That's what he's worried about. Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabenu, Hashem told him Rav Lach. Rav Lach means you have plenty of reward. Don't worry. You don't need to enter the Holy Land. Moshe said no, no enter me as a bird, make me a cow even for a day. I want to be in a holy land. Why do you, why do you worry so much? Hashem already promised you. you don't, he show him hell. He show what happened there in, the, in a spiritual Auschwitz over there. All the wicked people are screaming. He showed him all these things. And Moshe was shaking. The Gemara said standing on a mountain. He showed him all the generation. He showed him what happened in the afterlife. Moshe was shaking. And Hashem told him, don't worry. It's not for people like you. You're not going there. And then only after that, Hashem promised him, you're not going to hell, he relaxed. Up to then he was worried. But now he wants to enter the land, to do a few more mitzvot that he could not do in the desert. There's some mitzvot only in Israel you can keep. And Hashem said, no, you don't need, that's okay, it counts like you did. Rav lach. Rav lach, means you have plenty, don't worry, you're for eternity. I wrote in the Torah, you're the most humble person ever lived. I love you. You are my real servant. I called my Torah after you. Zichru Torat Moshe Avdi. Remember the Torah of my servant Moshe. I gave the Torah, and the Torah is credited to Moshe. Why? I love him so much. Yeah? It's like a father who gave his son a million dollars to build an hotel, whatever. And. Without the money from the father, what does the son do? He's going to be homeless. What would he do? He's not exactly talented, you know? And when they do the opening, the father comes and say, Look at my son, what a great achievement he has. He built this hotel. <laughs> what do you mean? You did everything. That's your money, he you couldn't do anything. But the father doesn't want to take credit for himself. He's so loved, he's in love with his sons. So he says, Here, look at my son, what a great thing he did, such a talented boy. Same thing, Hashem. So why Moshe insisted, and he prayed 515 prayers, begging with tears to enter? Shem already told him, Rav Lach, enough. The answer is, I cannot imagine a moment without the ability to serve you, Hashem. That's Moshe. I'm sad, I know, I'm in heaven, I'm sad, I'm a very wealthy man, spiritually. I I don't do it for this Thinking of the fact that from now on I won't be able to serve you anymore I'm going to receive my reward That means my mission is over I just can't I can't leave a second thinking like this I'm begging you Let me go there even not for a reward Even not for a reward You understand? This is it This is the legendary people that you read about them So Abraham started to shake Maybe maybe there's something not so good about me. When he told him, I'm making a covenant between me and you, what happened? He relaxed. Oh, that means if he makes a covenant with me, that means I don't have any defect. I'm, I'm good. He took him out and he's showing the stars count how many stars, can you count this is how many children you're going to have you know it's interesting because the Goim used to make fun of the Jews when it comes to the blessing that God gave Abraham because he gave him a, two, two blessings that looks like a contradiction he said your descendants will be multiplied like the number of the stars in heaven and like the sand on the ground so the Goim said, Well, sand, we see billions of sand everywhere you go, you have plenty of sand. So it's a good blessing. It's gonna have billions of people coming out of him. But stars, there's only six thousand stars. Remember, that's before telescope and satellites and all these computers, whatever we have today. Six thousand stars, that's a blessing? All in you know, all history only going to have six thousand grandchildren? It's a joke plus it's a contradiction you gave him billions or you gave him thousands and the Jews were laughing back and the Jews said to them what do you think? only what we see exists? you know how many things exist and you cannot see? can you see the oxygen? can you see the radio waves? can you see Hashem? so what do you have doubts if it exists or not? can you see your intelligence? one, um, one teacher in Russia she said to the kids we have five senses whatever we can prove with our five senses exists whatever we cannot prove does not exist so one little Jew told her ma'am in that case you don't have any brain you don't have any intelligence she said you have the nerve to tell your teacher such a thing he said no I'm just saying what you just said can we see your intelligence can we smell it can we taste it can we hear it can we touch it where is it it doesn't exist So she said, sorry, you're right. I take it back. How do you get on a plane and you land in Israel? Why are you not worried that you land in the middle of the ocean or you land by Gaddafi over there? Because you know you count on the radio waves to direct the plane to the right airport, no? It's all with waves in the air. Can you see? Can you prove these waves exist? Today they have equipment that you can see how they look. They have special equipment. You see inside how the waves look. All kinds of shivering like this, like this, straight, up, down, all kinds of way, you know. Today there's equipment, but with the five senses you cannot prove, but everybody, knows. <laughs> you have a doubt when you turn your radio that the voice come now, live from LA? How is that? When I was a kid, I used to check behind the television. Where is the man sitting? Where is his legs, I used to think. He sits, he tells the news. You see only up to the stomach. I was wondering, where does he have place to fold his legs? But this is the way the fool's thinking A kid, three years old This is this how, how he thinks So He told him, go and count How many stars, if you can count This is how many kids you're going to have So he says to him, Rebunosh shel Olam I checked in the stars He was an astrolog Astrology And I see only one son And his name is going to be Ishmael I don't see the one you're talking about <laughs> My wife doesn't even have a womb I don't see I'm able to have kids. HaKadosh Baruch told him, Get out of this nonsense, astrology. Astrology is another thing in nature. Nature? The laws of nature. Yeah, it's true, you can read in the stars. But it does not apply to Jews. Jews are above astrology, above the stars, above all these movements. Why? With the power of the Torah and the holiness of a Jew, he can change his entire future. And the Gemara brings many examples and the conclusion here, and Mazal Israel. Of course there is. If you're born in this month, so your sign is Tala, Aries. And then it could be a scale, you know, Mosnaim. And it can be an axe, it can be all kinds of things. It changed your traits, it changed who you are, it changed your luck, it changed your fortune, it changed everything. But Jews can change it with prayers, with learning Torah, with kindness, with mitzvot, with, uh, with, with tzedakah. Amar Rabbi In the beginning Moshe Rabbeinu was learning the Torah that Hashem taught him in a mountain, which means in heaven, his body was in a mountain, but his soul went up to heaven, and he was forgetting then Hashem Gave it to him As a gift and No person can learn In 40 days The entire Torah Not even in 4 million years So obviously To, to begin with There's no chance In a natural way if the smartest person Ever lived Wouldn't learn The whole Torah In 40 days So well, there you bring A guy to the yeshiva Take a, a doctor That finished I don't know Harvard uh, Medical school Whatever Bring him to our yeshiva Teach him Gemara Come after 40 days if he's lucky, he finished three pages. If he's really focusing. Three pages! And there are thousands of pages just in Egmara. No? So how Moshe finished the whole Torah in 40 days? Obviously, Hashem took a disc and put it in his brain. He gave it to him as a gift. Shenemar, Where? how do we know? Va'yiten el Moshe kechaloto ledaber ito be'ar Sinai luchot. He only gave it to him After he finished talking to him How is it? It was a minute before he came down Why? Because he gave him the boards He gave him the heavy 10 commandments That he has to bring them down So the moment that he gave him the 10 commandments He put all the Torah in his head Which means it was uh, 10 minutes 15 minutes Before he came down That's when he really received the Torah the whole 40 days, nothing. He argued with the angels, these. He was showing him some parts of the Torah. He was forgetting to show him that in the end you get it as a gift. Don't ever think that because of your learning skills you got it. No. The last 10 minutes I'll give it to you. Gemara says, written in the finger of God. And of course, God doesn't have a hand and a finger. It's all analogies for people to understand. Tanya. Seven things were created before the world. Before the world was created, there are seven things who were created before. Which ones? Torah. Torah was prepared before. Tshuva. The concept of making tshuva, repentance, is against the law of nature. It cannot be created with nature, it had to be prior to it. Heaven and hell, it's spiritual places. The chair, Kisea Kavod, the inner chair of God, the temple, bet Mikdash. Which bet Mikdash? How can Beta Mikdash be built if there's no war and no material? Beta Mikdash has rocks, Jerusalem stone, gold. This is all material. How it was created before? The answer is there is Beta Mikdash El Mata and bet Mikdash El Mala. There's an image of Beta Mikdash in heaven. And those beta mikdash, what are they talking about? Same thing like heaven and hell and the chair of God and all the rest. Ushmosh el Mashiach. And all the possible names that the Messiah can have. You understand? So this was prepared before the world. Then the Gemara continues, and time is running out, so we have five more minutes. So let's try to finish this page. The Gemara says like this. The mitzvah of Bikur Cholim Visiting a sick person Whether he's in a hospital, he's in, in his bed En lo shiur. There's no limitation in it It's not like you have to give machacita shekel And that's it, not a cent more Then you know, that's the shiur You want to eat uh, matzah in Lela Seder Two ounces of matzah then you made a mitzvah. Everything else is extra. It's not an, another mitzvah. Whether you ate two ounces or 200 ounces, it's the same mitzvah. Count, you ate matzah and pesach. The rest is just desire. You're hungry or whatever. But what's the minimum? Two ounces. What's the minimum of, of visiting the, the, the sick person? You may think, come to the hospital. Shalom, Mr. Moshe. Nice seeing you. Goodbye. Does it count? Do you have to sit there half an hour? Do you have to sit there a week? Do you have to be there until he dies, God forbid? What's the requirements? So, Mara asks, what does it mean it doesn't have a measurement? What does it mean? It's hard to understand. Sava Yosef lememar en shiur lematan Doesn't have a measurement, doesn't mean Rav Yosef wanted to explain that it means there's no end to your reward for this mitzvah of visiting the, the sick person. Then, then Abaye told him it cannot be what you say. Why? What about the rest of the mitzvot? They have a limitation of putting tefillin. It's not as important having mezuzah, learning Torah, saving the life of a person. This is not all important. Why only this doesn't have a measurement, if that's the way you want to explain? That's not the case. Be careful to do every mitzvah Because you don't know which one is higher than the other one You don't know Especially for you individually Maybe your job is this in life For him it's this So you don't know You cannot take this Ah, that's not an important mitzvah Rabbi, come on This is not so important This is important, I do But this, nah, no big deal Don't, don't be so sure <inaudible> Hashem never told you the full reward of every mitzvah. He told you a little bit, but you don't know the whole picture. <inaudible> so Abaye cancel what he say, Rav Yosef, and he said, <inaudible> It talks about the age. If it's a kid, maybe a person can say, I'm seven years old, I'm going to go and visit a ten years old kid in a hospital. It's not to my honor. Or the other, uh, the other way around, at 14 years old, to go to visit somebody else. Or a big giant rabbi, Gadol could be a big, spiritually, is a big hacham, and someone that sells watermelons in a field. He, never, he doesn't even know how to read. Is that my honor? I'm the chief rabbi to go to visit him? I told you last week that a, a rich man was dying in uh, Tenafly, New Jersey, And he asked the reformed rabbi to come pay him a visit before he died. The reformed rabbi didn't want to waste his time on him, and he didn't go. Then he called the rabbi of Chabad, young rabbi, rabbi of Chabad, he loves every Jew. He went there, and he got between 40 to 400 million dollars, there's all kinds of versions, for that hour that he visited him. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, there's all kinds of versions some say 40 million, some say 100 million doesn't matter, let's say 4 million he went to visit him and I had the Mary to speak twice in that shul that they built with that money beautiful building you know, and why? the other reform, I'm saying from this whole story, there's only one thing I'm thinking about this reform Rabbi, until today, how much he suffered every time he passed by the building <laughs> That's already worth everything, <laughs> you know. They, wow, that should have been mine. That's all, you know. You see, en No. Then he says like this: Rava say what does it mean en la shiur? What does it mean? There's no limitation. You can go a hundred times in and out to visit the patients. Every time it's a separate mitzvah. You came, you visited him. Ah, Moshe, here I brought you a sandwich. You went down. You came back again. Here, I brought you a soda. You went down again. Here, I brought you a book. A hundred times, every time you leave, you go back, you come, you go back. Every time, it's another mitzvah. Every time you go to visit a sick person, you take one sixtieth of his sickness. Which means, if he has 60 pounds of sickness, one pound went from him to you. Now, you may say, if I go 60 times, All his sickness will come to me. The answer is, don't worry. You take 168 from his sickness, but it doesn't come to you. You dismiss it. That's what it means. You understand? I have a whole lecture one time, I think it's in a website, about what does it mean, 168. There's not the time now to go over it again, but just that you understand, I want to finish this page. So the Gemara asks, eventually, the sickness should have gone. If every, if sixty people come and visit every, they should have made a gemach. Every time there's a sick person, there are sixty people who right away run to the hospital. They stand online, every person comes, and the person get up, and that's it. We don't need doctors. We don't need anything. The gemara says that that's not what it means. It means he take 168 of his sorrow, pain, the pain that he has in his heart. He has X amount of pain We are not God We cannot take a person And go hocus pocus And his cancer is gone We need Hashem for it But he has X amount of pain And depression Every time a person comes He takes away a 68 from it Like one and a half percent of his depression Yes So that's what Abayi told Rabbi Well send 60 people They get him up (laughs) So, in the end, the conclusion, we're not talking about the physical sickness, we are talking about the spiritual pain that he has. Rabbi says, a woman, a girl, when her father died, her brother took all the money, because only the brothers get what the father lost, I mean left. What's going to be with the girl? They have to feed her sisters with the money that they got. If the father left the business, they take money from this business and give them an allowance until they get married and then their husband has to take care of them. Or if there is a hotel, so she gets an X amount of money from it. Amul and Rebbe, they say to Rebbe, according to what she say, someone who has 10 girls and one boy, now this poor boy has to feed 10 girls. It's not a gift, it's a curse. His father left him $5,000 income From a little business that he has Now he has 10 girls He has to feed each one of them With a thousand It's not even enough They're all going to starve What's going to be in that case? He says This is what I say It doesn't go that way he has to put an allowance for the girls. The first one come and take what she needs. If the second one has leftover, she takes the leftover. If not, nine of them left with nothing. They have to go and collect charity. If it's good enough for the second, she gets third for up to how much? Depends how much she left. If there's not enough, it's not his problem. He gets what he deserves. And they give them ma'aser and finish, 10%. Here, 10% goes to you. The rest is not me. Then, if it's enough for all of them, they share it equally. Ma'aseh one student, mitalmidei rabbi Akiva, one of the students of rabbi Akiva, shechala, became sick, and the, and the rabbis did not come to visit him. Lo levakro. Rabbi Akiva came to visit him Why? Because He gave a lot of respect To Rabbi Akiva in his life And was you know, Cleaning in front of him Doing all kinds of things And then he Surprisingly Became healthy From the visit of Rabbi Akiva He said to him Rabbi, I know I'm alive thanks to you That was a dead case you, Ichiatani, you revived me. Rabbi Akiva came out and he gave a lecture to all the rabbis who didn't bother to visit this student. He said, Each one of you should know that by not going to visit this sick person, it counts like you killed him. No less than that. Kiata Ravdimi came later and said, Someone who visits a sick person If you don't, you make him live If you visit him If you don't, you make him die And it's so true Because if a person is neglected in a hospital And people don't Even his children don't have time for him He dies much faster Say, so God, just take me out of here Yesterday I went to visit a very, very uh, Loved Old man that I loved him very much Liayna is 81 years old And he was telling me that he almost died. 200 people got his sickness, all of them died, and he's the only one who got saved. So I told him, your son, which is my best friend, is such a tzaddik, you want to die? Of course you're gonna get saved. Look at the son you have. So he said, nah, I hardly see them. He's in Israel, the other one is far away. All I want is a year, a year and a half to leave. It's enough. (laughs) I say to him, why, why? You can live another 10, 20 years. What? 10 years, you look the same. He said, I don't have the strength to live anymore. Yeah, he walks with these wheels. He needs a nurse, get him up. Well, you know what it is. If I live another year and a half, I'm happy. That's what he told me. The important thing, and we finish with that, of mitzvah bikur cholin. It's not just to come and bring him chocolate. Moshe, here, I brought you chocolate. Swiss chocolate from Belgium. Look, oh, very nice. He eats and die faster from the cholesterol. Or he brings him flour. Why does he need, flowers? He has one more week to live, or who knows what. He has a surgery tomorrow. What do you do? You come and read him for him. You pray for him. You understand? Anything, hmm. anything you cheer him up, you stand, because the spirit of Hashem is, in, is next to every sick person. Hashem mevaker, God is visiting the sick. That's why you have to stand up, you don't sit. There's all kinds of halachot in it. If you went and you did not pray for him, it doesn't count mitzvah. Only when you visit and pray for him that he's, and cheer him up, you'll be okay, don't worry. You make him strong, yes. Do you pray uh, in front of him, or do you pray at home? You can pray in front of him, yeah. But if he doesn't know what he has, then you don't pray in front of him. Sometimes they don't tell them what they have. He doesn't really know he has such critical cancer, because he doesn't see the MRI or whatever. So he thinks he's going to get out of it in a week. He doesn't know that it's life and death every second now. So obviously you don't tell him. You know, there's there's a a question that uh, somebody asked Rav Zilberstein, and he said, uh, Rabbi, he's a doctor. He said, one patient of mine that has cancer told me today, I want you to swear to me that I don't have cancer. And I'm a religious person, how can I swear to him? Now, I know if I will tell him that he has cancer, in three, four days, he will be dead, psychologically. So what should I do? Am I allowed to lie and tell him you don't have? So the answer is Tell him I swear to you you don't have cancer In Hebrew you're allowed, in English you're not allowed Why? In Hebrew the word cancer is sartan Sartan is also a scorpion It's two words, two words, two different meanings When you swear to him that you don't have cancer, you say, in your mind, you don't have scorpions in your body. That's not a lie. That's what you have in mind, he doesn't understand. Like this, you kill two birds with one stone. You don't make him die faster, give him hopes. Plus, he did not lie. What happened in English? In English, cancer is cancer, there's no scorpions. So I have a solution the rabbi in a book didn't have an answer for that in English so I say, tell him, I swear I swear to you that you don't have kensen no, what did I just say? kensen, Kensen, with N yeah, it doesn't it doesn't catch and you say it quickly anything, something that doesn't exist and if he caught you we begin to say kaddish for him, what can we do? But to swear on a lie, you're not allowed. Baruch Adonai leolam, amen and amen.